Hey guys, just before we start the episode today, I would like to say that today's episode is part of a small series that me and Mr. Jack decided to record about the best airport and airplane tips. I hope you find the series useful. Welcome to the Nomad Tactics Podcast. Here provide a complete how-to guide for digital nomads. I'm your host, B, and I'm joined by the co-host, Jack. Today, it's part one of our best airplane and airport tips. I will start with a quick summary of the episode. First, me and Jack are going to talk about exactly what is the aim of today's episode. After that, we're going to contextualize the topic within our digital nomad life system. Then we're going to provide some quick clarifications regarding the episode. And finally, we're going to provide 15 tips to do with airports and airplanes. I hope you enjoyed the episode. So, hello, Mr. B. Hello, Jack. So, as the title of this episode already tells, in this episode, we are going to provide you with a comprehensive list of all the best tips and tricks about airplanes and airports. Yeah, that's right. And we decided to do this as a mini-series, which means that we won't provide all the tips in this episode, rather, we will divide into a number of different episodes, five or six, perhaps, in order to try to keep the episode under 20 minutes or 30 minutes. Let's see. Yeah, I think, as usual, we should put this topic into our digital nomad life system. And for people who don't know what the digital nomad life system is, it is a six-step system that aims to help people going from a non-nomadic lifestyle into a optimized digital nomad life. So, Mr. B, where would you put this topic into which step of the system? So, as you can probably guess, today's topic going to be placed on the departing process step. And this departing process step can be understood as all the things that a digital nomad needs to do just before or during the actual period in which he's leaving his current base to guarantee a smooth departure and transition to his new base, i.e. the new city in which he's going to be living in. So, of course, we place this topic within this step of our system because airports and airplanes is something that you're going to deal with when you are departing from a place to go to the next place. Oh, it's quite obvious there. Yeah, so Mr. B, before we go into the exact tips, as usual, I think you have some clarification you want to make. Yeah, that's right. So just a few quick things I'd like to say. In today's episode, we're going to provide 15 tips, but there is no, let's say, logical order for when I'm presenting those. So perhaps I'm going to start with an airplane tip, then I'm going to go to an airport tip, and then I'm going to go back to an airplane tip. So don't try to see a coherence in the order of things. Another thing I would like to say is that, as Mr. Jack said, 
the aim of this miniseries is to provide you with a comprehensive list. It's very likely, especially if you are already somewhat an experienced digital nomad, that you already heard some of the things that we are about to say. Having said that, this can be, let's say, a good memory refresher if you are an expert nomad. Perhaps you heard about the tip before, but you kind of forgot, and now you're going to recall those. But also, I think that we came up or we researched some very unique things that I haven't seen many people talking about online. So I'm pretty sure that in every episode, there will be at least one or two tips that will be new to you, even if you're an experienced digital nomad, because this list I gather over quite a long period of time, either by talking to different digital nomads, reading blogs within the niche, some of those I got by talking to cabin crew, which are kind of the experts on the area, one could argue. Finally, one last thing that I would like to say is that we're going to provide a lot of tips. And some of the tips we might mention might be considered a little bit sneaky by some people. So, you know, people defer on terms of the kinds of things that they are okay doing or not. I just would like to make it very clear that we at Nomad Tactics do not necessarily practice or endorse of the steps. Nomad Tactics should not be responsible by the application of any of the information provided in today's episode, because today's episode is for educational purposes only. Yeah, Mr. B. So with the clarifications out of the way, that's going to the main topic, which is the 15 airport and airplane tips. So the first one you wrote here is... Be mindful about where you will place your carry-on luggage inside the plane. Yeah, for this first tip, the basic idea is the following. You should be mindful about where you're going to be placing your carry-on luggage in the sense that you want to be placing your carry-on luggage either on the overhead bin of your seat or in the overhead bin of a seat in front of you never on an overhead bin of a seat behind you. And that's because if you place your carry-on luggage in the overhead bin of a seat behind you, you're going to face two problems. The first problem is that you won't be able to keep, let's say, a passive eye on your bag when you are in the airplane, since in order to do so, you would need to constantly be looking back to check if nobody's messing with your bag, taking a peek at your bag. The second reason, and perhaps the main reason, why you do not want to place your carry-on luggage on the overhead bin of a seat behind you is because in the deboarding process, if you did so, you're going to have a great deal of difficulty to get access to your bag in order to deboard. Because like once the plane stops, everybody stands up and start getting their bags, which means that probably you won't be able to walk backwards. So you're going to need to allow everyone to leave the plane. Once that is done, then you're going to be able to walk backwards in the plane and get your luggage. On the other hand, if your carry-on luggage was placed on the overhead bin of your seat or on the overhead bin of the seat in front of you, you're going to be able to access your luggage with great ease since you're simply going to stand up and get it or stand up, walk a little bit and get it. This is the reason why you should be very mindful about where you're going to place your carry-on luggage. Yeah, knowing where to put your luggage just help you deboard faster. So the second tip here is have a photo of your luggage. 
the idea here is that if the airline lose your luggage during a flight, it's very useful if you can provide them with a photo of your luggage. That's because, of course, it's going to be much easier for them to identify your luggage. Otherwise, they're going to need to simply either go by your description or look at the labels at all the luggages till they find yours. By providing the photo, you're going to make the whole process more efficient. I don't think losing your luggage is something very common nowadays unless you are getting a connecting flight. So it's just a good idea to have a photo of your luggage in your phone. Yeah, that's just an extra step you can do to make sure you get your luggage. So the third tip here is have a tracker hidden in your bag. So nowadays, trackers are considerably cheap. One very useful thing is to simply place one of those small trackers in your luggage. And this can be both your carry-on luggage as well as your check luggage, if you have. By doing so, on a similar fashion to the previous tip, if the airline happened to lose your luggage, let's say in a connecting flight, it's going to be much easier for them to find out because you're going to be able to help them by tracking your luggage yourself. And you can say, oh, instead of going to this airport, it went to this airport. They simply going to need to look for there. Another reason why you want to have this tracker inside your luggage, more specifically a hidden tracker, is because if someone gets your luggage in the luggage collection belt on bad faith, so they're basically stealing your luggage, if you have this tracker hidden, you're going to once again be able to track the luggage. The two trackers that I would recommend you to get are either AirTags or Tile. Both are extremely cheap and they have very long batteries. And I really see no reason why you wouldn't place one of those in your luggage. Yeah, I'm using AirTags on and off for like three months. So the next tip here is ask for a fragile tag when you are checking in. So the idea here is that by adding this fragile tag into your check luggage, you will accomplish two main things. First, your luggage is going to be kind of held with slightly greater care. Also, they will try to place your luggage on top of all other luggage, which means that your luggage is very likely to be one of the first ones out of the plane, which means you're going to be able to leave the airport quicker. Another thing that I would like to point out is that in order to increase your chances of having your luggage first, uh, especially if you're catching a connection flight, you can tell the person at the airline counter, explain the situation, say you're like getting a connecting flight and ask for a priority tag apart from the fragile tag to be placed in your luggage. Therefore, you're going to kind of double your chances of having your luggage first once you arrive in your connecting airport. Yeah, it is a good tip. So the next tip is, if you are traveling with someone, book the aisles and the window seats. The basic idea here is that it is very unlikely that the third person will book the middle seat if both the aisle seat and the window seat are taken. So by making your booking in this specific way, you're going to be decreasing the likelihood of someone else booking in the same space as you guys. Also, 
if for some reason someone does book the middle seat between you and your friend or your partner, you can simply ask them to switch their seats once you are in the plane. Most likely, they will comply because actually the middle seat is probably the worst seat of all. So they won't see any problem by either changing for an IO seat or a window seat. So the next tip here is, if you are planning to do some work on the plane, be mindful of which seat to choose. Yeah, so if you intend to do some work in your laptop during your flight, and assuming you are right-handed like most people, you should try to book either an IO seat on the left section of the plane or the IO seat to the right of the middle section of the plane. So the basic rationale here is that by booking this specific seat, you're going to have some extra space for your right arm to use your laptop since your right arm is going to be kind of off to the iode slightly. And this extra space is going to allow you to use your laptop to work in a more comfortable manner. This might sound like a very simple thing, but trust me, if you're talking about long hours working in a plane, it does make a difference. Yeah, so basically you want more space for your dominant hand. So the next tip here is put the heavy items in your carry-on luggage. So if you're carrying very heavy items with you that you think will extrapolate your checkered luggage allowance in terms of its weight, then you should place such items in your carry-on luggage. And the reason for that is because it's very unlikely your carry-on luggage will be weighted by the airline staff unless you are taking a flight in a budget airline. So the next tip is, if you want to sleep, be mindful about seat selection. Yeah, so the basic idea here is that where you select your seat to be matters if you intend to sleep, especially due to the noise and the comfort that are going to be available to you. And of course, we are assuming here that you are buying economic class tickets. If you want to sleep on the plane, I would say that you should probably select a seat in the middle of the plane rather than at the very front and the very back. At the very front is not a good place to select the seat because it's going to be noisy due to the babies that are likely to be there. So there is this policy with airlines that newborn babies, they tend to stay on the front of the plane because there is slightly more space for the moms and the child. Also, the very back of the plane is not a good place because most of the toilets will be there, which is kind of noisy, and also is where the flight attendants gather around. So again, there will be more chatter there during the whole flight. I would say that you should book a seat somewhat in the middle of the plane or the section of the plane in which you are. Another thing to mind is the seat in which you're going to take. And my advice here would be to get the window seat because by doing so, you're going to be able to support your head in the window, which is, you know, much easier to sleep. But if for some reason you cannot get the window seat, there is one very clever tip that you can do, which is to get the armrest, place it upwards, and then in the armrest, on the very top of it, you're going to kind of roll a sweater or a jacket, something like that, 
basically you're going to use that as the support for your head. So I done that multiple times and it works really great. It's just like you are resting your head in the window. So the next tip is once you pass through the security, ask how long does it take to go to the gate? The basic idea is that some airports are huge, so it is very important for you to know how long it will take you from the place you are right now to the gate in which you need to take your flight. So once you pass through security, it is always a good idea to ask the airport staff for that information. So you know how long in advance you should start moving to get to your gate. You know, like there are some airports that literally take more than 30 minutes from one side of it to the other. I think this information is crucial. So the next tip here is for fast Wi-Fi, you can use airport lounge Wi-Fis. Oh yeah, airport lounges tend to provide the best Wi-Fi in the airport. Perhaps the most straightforward way in which you would have access to such Wi-Fi is by paying and getting access to the lounge. We will talk about different ways in which you can get access to the lounge, and some ways do not involve payments, in later tips of this series. Let's assume for now you won't have this access to the lounge, so you won't be getting in the lounge. How can you get the password for such lounges? That's the question now. There are two main ways. The first one is to simply go to the lounge entrance counter and try to check for the Wi-Fi password there. What I have noticed over the years in which I travel is that many times the Wi-Fi password is displayed in the very entrance counter. So even if you do not get inside the lounge, you're going to be able to see the password and access the Wi-Fi. Another way to get access to lounge Wi-Fis is by using public Wi-Fi founders, such as Wi-Fi Map, which is an app that we talked about on previous episodes. Even more specifically, you can use an app called Wi-Fox. This is an app exclusively deals with Wi-Fi passwords for lounges around the world. So you have a great deal of Wi-Fi lounge passwords available in this app. So the next tip here is put a bag identifier to quickly find your bag. So bags are very similar, of course. Basic idea here is that you should put some sort of very unique identifying tag or stripe in your luggage, especially the checked luggage. Two main reasons for that. The first one, as Mr. Jack said, is that you're going to be able to very quickly identify which one is your luggage when you are collecting your luggage from the luggage belt. And the other reason is that by putting this very unique luggage identifier, you're going to prevent other people that have very similar bags to yours to take your bag by mistake. So the next tip here is book your ride from the outside of the airport area. So sometimes airports have surcharges for taxis and Ubers in order to get passengers there. Therefore, one way to save money is to go out of the immediate airport area, simply walk a couple of meters, and then request for a ride, either a taxi or Uber. By doing so, you won't pay this extra fee that perhaps you would need to pay if you were to catch a ride from the airport. 
So the next tip here is, if you have a connection flight, be careful with what you buy in a duty-free shop. If you have a connecting flight, you should, as Mr. Jack said, be careful with what kinds of things you're going to buy and the quantity. This is because if you're getting a connecting flight, in many instances, you will need to pass through another security control in the connecting airport. And there, the usual limits for things will also apply, such as liquids below 100 milliliters. Regardless of you having bought the liquids on the duty-free shop or not. So let's say if you bought a whiskey bottle on the duty-free shop and then you get to your connecting airport and you need to pass through security again, you're going to be with the whiskey bottle on you, right? It's not going to be on your checked luggage. So if you need to pass through security... Most likely, they won't allow that, even though you bought in duty-free. The rule is that you shouldn't have any liquid with more than 100 milliliters. So the next tip here is don't exchange money in the airport. So yeah, this is a very simple tip, but nonetheless extremely important. And I think that a lot of new travelers or digital nomads fall for that. And the basic idea here is that you should probably never change your money in an airport exchange. And the reason for that is simple. They tend to provide the worst exchange rates. You can probably explain that due to the lack of competition. Usually there is only one exchange in the airport or perhaps there are very few. Therefore, they can kind of set the price for the exchanges. A much better place to exchange money is either to do it somewhere in your home country or when you get to your destination in the city center. So the last tip here is, if you want to avoid turbulence, go for morning flights. So yeah, this is something that personally never been such a big issue for me. But according to advice provided by some pilots, if you're kind of anxious or simply do not like turbulence, you should opt for morning flights. And that's because winds tend to be weaker in the morning. Therefore, it's less likely for you to experience any sort of turbulence. Yeah, so it seems like this is the end. If you like this episode, please, please make sure to leave a review on your listening platform. And this is Jack. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much. <laughs>